Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me for a very special episode of the podcast, Eric Snickers Kareen. Eric, how's it going, buddy? Just over here, being a hater. How are you? Being a hater. I'm all right, man. So this is what I'm predicting. I, are you caught up on WrestleMania? We're going to start this very important podcast up by talking about wrestling. Uh, I know what happened. I didn't see it, but yeah. So in the lead up to WrestleMania, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura obviously began, obviously, as if everyone would know this. Um, the way the graphics worked on all the match images, it made it look like his name was Snickers Nakamura, because Snickers was the main sponsor of WrestleMania. Uh, <laughs> and then he had a big heel turn at WrestleMania. Yeah. So I'm expecting at some point during Raptors Wizards, Eric, you're turning on the people. You're going to become a Wizards reasonableist. Yeah, we always thought you were going to be the one to make the heel turn, but maybe it's me. Oh, that's that's coming, man. People have been wild in, in my mentions and my DMs for like a month now. The, the heel turn's coming. Yeah. Uh, well, it'll be uh, it'll be good. It will it will juice up our characters, you know. Yeah, it's got a we got to freshen things up anyway. Yeah. The last Let's be week, wildly unreasonable. I don't know about that. I was more gonna say that the last couple of podcasts we've been kind of spinning our wheels, talking about things that happened and mattered a little bit, but you know, not really selling that we were super invested in the results, given the psychology that was at play and, you know, where the Raptors were and where they were likely to finish the whole time. We now have something much more material to focus on, uh, something a little more urgent and immediate. The Toronto Raptors will open the 2017-18 NBA playoffs on Saturday. Uh, contrary to what I tweeted out at 3 in the morning last night when the schedule came out, that's Saturday, April 14th, not March 14th. Uh, they'll tip off at 5.30 against the Washington Wizards, seven game, best of seven series, uh, the first four games, the 14th, 17th, 20th, and 22nd. Um, only one of those on NBA TV. Take that, uh, Toronto haters, obviously. Uh, and then the Raptors also got the third latest of the four Eastern start times for the opening weekend. Eric, I know that there will be something in this schedule and the broadcast schedule that Raptors fans are upset about. Uh, but can you can you pinpoint what it might be? Because it looks like the Raptors got a pretty... A pretty straightforward draw here. Um, I think the issue is, you know, John Wall has just come back from this injury and he's not able to play back to back, which obviously weren't going to work in the playoffs. But now you're giving him two days off in between three of the first four games or four of the first five games. Wait, what is it? Yes, four of the first five games. He'll have at least two days off. Why? Do they hate the Raptors, the well-conditioned Raptors, so much? Like, are you going to punish them for being so healthy and having an elite sports science staff? Come on. Yeah, that would. There you go. You found it. That was quick. Yeah. That was a lot. Yeah, yeah. I did think of well, that when I, mean, I was writing preview content that this definitely it, helps John Wall's case, having the first five games come over twelve days. It's a, it's the exact same, you know, wrestling reuses its tropes, obviously, and it's the exact same as, as Raptors Nets in 2014. Uh, the, the old man Nets, uh, were given, uh, the, I think, I think, don't quote me on this, this is the exact same schedule in terms of days, uh, which days they're playing on, uh, Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. I will not uh, quote you on that because I don't give a good goddamn if it's yeah. accurate or not. Yeah. Uh, anyway. anyway. Uh, 
yeah, that's that's the angle. I like it. Uh, the Toronto Raptors ended the season 59 and 23. It's the best finish in franchise history. They earned the one seed. They are eight to five to win the Eastern Conference, which is the second best odds after the Cleveland Cavaliers, and significantly higher than anyone else in the conference. Uh, they're also 17 to two to win the NBA championship, which is uh, fourth in the league and about double. Uh, the likelihood suggested by the line as the next closest team, which is the Philadelphia 76ers, which, as much as I'd like to see the Raptors win the finals, Joel Embiid winning, being an NBA champion while wearing that mask would be way too much fun. Uh, the Raptors, not punished. There are no bad teams that make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference any longer. However, the Raptors worked all year to get the one seed, best season in franchise history, and now they will play the Washington Wizards in the first round, who are... You know, if they're anywhere near at their best, they're the best of the five, six, seven, eight in the Eastern Conference. And then they play the Cleveland Cavaliers in the second round as the Cavaliers fell to fourth. Um, not to say that the Indiana Pacers can't pull off that upset, but the Indiana Pacers can't pull off that upset. So the Raptors will go. The Raptors will go Wizards Cavs now as a reward for the one seed. Eric, that's uh, that feels like a troll job too. Oh yeah. Uh, but what you gonna do? I mean, the Wizards went three and nine down the stretch, and the Cavs quit for you know a month or two. So they have worse regular season records. Eh, you know, yep. like, and short of you know the home team or the top seed getting to pick their opponent, which I know some people are fans of, and I think would be interesting for you know, the storylines and also something that the league would never allow to happen. Um, it's just how it goes. I personally would like to see a reseed after every round, but even hockey has abandoned that. Uh, so, and who's to say that would, you know, if the Raptors advance past the Wizards, that that would help them avoid the Cavs. Uh, because even as is, I think I'd take the four favorites and in, in the... You know, even given the state of the Celtics, the Bucks have been so inconsistent that I'm still probably leaning Celtics. Although it's pretty close to 50-50, I'd say, in that series. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning Celtics. I just trust them more to win with the games on the line and coming down to the wire. The, we, we talked about this a little bit in the lead-up. The Bucks are really good at employing Giannis, and I'm not sure what else they're good at. Yeah, that's and, fair. Look, employing Giannis is a great thing to be good at. It's one of the... You know, he's probably one of the top three or four players that you could have that skill as a team for. It's, it's yeah. very important. Yeah. They lost by 35 on Wednesday. Yeah. With, like, I mean, I get that it was a complicated situation for them because a win could have made them draw the Cavs, which would not have been ideal. But as it turned out, the Cavs went about uh, taking care of business on that end by losing to the next. What a final day of the season. Um, the, but, the, the worst thing about the Bucks thing, too, is like people could say, oh, they were tanking or they didn't care or whatever. They ended up, or no, they didn't end up with their pick. They lost their pick because they lost that game. Had Toronto won as well, Milwaukee would have kept it. But the Bucks, you know, they had more incentive than just playoff matchup. And they clearly weren't tanking, like based on who they played, they weren't tanking. They were trying. Yeah, it's a. Uh... They played poorly because sometimes they play poorly and they haven't been very consistent. Neither yeah. have the Washington Wizards. Let's yes. get it. Yeah, I guess we should talk about the team they're actually going to play instead of the ones they're not going to play. The Toronto Raptors are playing the Washington Wizards. Obviously, Eric, the first thing anyone wants to talk about. Three years ago, the Wizards swept the Raptors out of the playoffs. 
It was the end of Lou Williams. It was the end of Gravis Vasquez. It was very nearly the end of Dwayne Casey, from what it sounds like, uh, and maybe the whole core. Uh, uh, it's been a long time, but Bradley Beal and John Wall and Otto Porter and Martin Gortat and DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, Jonas Valanciunas, and Dwayne Casey are all still around. Yes. How much... I, I guess the, the biggest question is, and one you can't really answer, but I want you to speculate wildly on, is do yes. you think there is still a psychological impact from that series at play with either of these teams here? I think the Wizards are comfortable with this matchup. Um, if they really wanted to avoid it, they would have played John Wallace on Wednesday night. Um, I, I don't think, if, if you know, if they decided that it was that that wall was actually at risk of aggravating his injury by playing in back-to-backs they should not have and we don't know you know how much of a mandate that was and how serious Otto Porter's injury was that kept him out of the game but I think they're definitely comfortable there and they're they're made you know further comfortable more comfortable more comfortable by the fact that they split the season series despite Wall not playing in any four in any of the four games this year with the Raptors against the Raptors, uh, and I think it would be, you know, if it's the first thing that's coming up in our minds and fans' minds, then it has to be somewhere in the minds of the Raptors. I don't think it's a determining factor. I, I think. You know, if things start off poorly, it would only be natural for them to, for the Raptors to, you know, think of 2015 and in the more general sense of what's happened over the past few years in the playoffs. Uh, but uh, overall, that's not what this is going to be determined on. Now, you mentioned game one and getting off to a good start. I think that's basically where it lies, is if, if the Raptors come out and they win game one and that game one monkey is off their back, I think that'll be enough that, okay, we could beat the Wizards in a playoff series. Uh, I think that would be enough to, to end it. And with how tenuous Washington's chemistry seems in the other side, I think that could have a, a really pronounced impact. And then the other way, you know, especially if they lose it in a unsightly fashion, um, that might galvanize the Wizards' locker room or it might get the Raptors doubting themselves again. So I do think Game 1 is really, really important. And for whatever reason, the Raptors are worse in Game 1s than the Undertaker's opponents against him at WrestleMania. Um, it's just not a... I, I, there's, no, look, there's, no, there's no inherent reason the Raptors can't win Game 1. It makes no sense. It's just a statistical well, oddity. It's bad, it's bad coaching. It's pre bad preparation. Like, Is it? Because it was yeah. happening before Dwayne Casey yeah. was in there, Toronto but, as well. Yeah, the, obviously Dwayne Casey has coached a disproportionate number of those because, you know, they've been of good the while success, he's been the yes. coach. But they're 1-12 in 12 over their whole career as a franchise. Their whole career as a franchise. Good sentence fragment. Uh, and that is just a weird fact that is. And I don't think there's any good rhyme or reason for it yeah and if it's That's, look it, maybe it is an organizational wide thing because uh raptors 905 just closed out their season they didn't lose like there were three one game elimination series so you obviously can't get behind one game to nothing but they got down by double digits in the first quarter in every one of them 
Yeah. I feel like that was their best nod to repeating what the Raptors did. And then they lost the finals two games to nothing. Yeah. Yeah, and so maybe if, that, it is. If, that, if that works for the Raptors this year, they'll take it. Yeah. Losing like, two games to nothing will not work for the Raptors this year. No, but, you know, the equivalent of, you know, the extended NBA playoffs equivalent of what Raptors 905 did this year. Yes, which is uh, which would mean losing in the finals, getting swept by the Golden State Warriors. And Acceptable. I think, I think most people would be okay with that. Uh, Eric, before we get into the granular of the Wizards, I feel like we should probably touch base on the big picture place the Raptors are in. Cleveland is still the favorite to come out of the East and go back to the NBA Finals. It would be LeBron James's eighth consecutive year going to the NBA Finals. The Raptors, I, I personally see a ton of value from a sport and life perspective in all of the changes the Raptors have been able to make this year um, about who they are fundamentally and, and to have even more success in making positive change within themselves. I know a lot of people are not going to agree with that if the Raptors don't get to a certain level in the playoffs. We've touched on this a little bit in, in throughout the year. Um, for you, is it strictly a matter of no, like nobody but the Cavs can knock them out, and if it's the Cavs, it has to at least be a really competitive series? Is that the only way that they'll really define success at the end of this run? I think that's how they'll dis- define success. Um, I think, and I think it's hard to do it otherwise because that's you know that's how you 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 measure success in the nba it's how far you get and how you look when you get there i i think you know raptors fans would be crazy if they win in five over the wizards and lose in like six or seven really like close games against the Cavs to look at the their uh their efforts as fruitless like that would just be missing the point on professional sports as, as a whole. It can't just be, you know, rings. But if, you know, you look shaky again and then are swept aside by the Cavs or, you know, the gentleman's sweep, or if you can't get by the Wizards, then I think you have to take a serious look at, you know, not that you abandon everything that you've changed because I think, as you say, there's inherent value in what they've done and what they've instilled in the young players, especially in the type of basketball you want to play. Uh, but at some point it does become a, you know, a roster and core issue. And that doesn't mean they can necessarily move on if, you know, something undesirable happens because Messiah Jerry still has to assess value and do the right thing in in a grand picture type of thing because if something's not working you don't just in the context of the NBA NBA you don't just give up on on everything and accept losses and trades but you, will, it, you also just don't have an escape hatch built in until 2019 exactly. anyway yeah uh so i i mean i think that's how we're going to end up judging it but it, it is it's as much there's room for nuance within there, I think. There is no room for nuance ever, Eric. Come on. I, that will be my first tattoo. Everything room. is absolutes. Room for nuance. Damn. I'll, put know, it on, you, I'll put it on my stomach. You know what I found out recently? And I don't know if this is legitimate or someone was just passing on bad information. But the whole, like, you can't get buried in a Jewish cemetery if you have a tattoo. Apparently that's not a real thing. 
Uh, I'm the wrong Jewish person to ask about this, but I would certainly suspect it that at least many Jewish cemeteries are not checking to make sure. That's fair. There, uh, there, there goes one of the all-time great home run calls, though. That ball cannot be buried in a Jewish cemetery because it got tattooed. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Uh, all right. The Washington Wizards are who the Toronto Raptors will face. Uh, we should probably stop beating around the... I guess the big picture stuff isn't even beating around the bush. There are probably some people listening who want to talk about the big picture stuff anyway. Um, and I think we did that enough. We can get into the granular now. Uh, Eric, you mentioned earlier that the Raptors and Wizards played four times this year. Almost none of those meetings hold a ton of predictive value here. Um, not only did John Wall miss all four, three players who the Raptors play regularly missed at least one game. Uh, the Raptors were kind of a different team at, at some point for one of them. Uh, two of their six most commonly used lineups didn't play against the Wizards, uh, and two more only played four minutes each. And then from the Wizards' side, obviously there was no ball um, Tim Frazier was in two of their two of the lineups that they used very heavily against the Raptors. Tim Frazier's now out of the rotation, uh, and they might shorten things. You know, if any playoff opponent looks like a team that could benefit from shortening their rotation, it's probably the Washington Wizards who could cut out the Ramon Sessions, Tim Frazier, Jody Meeks role and, and tighten things to nine. Uh, Wall being back obviously allows Thomas Sadoransky to go to the bench. Eric, is there anything, you know, all these caveats obviously apply because it's a messy, messy four-game sample. Um, as an aside, regular season head-to-head -head, uh, generally has some predictive value in the first round, less so as the rounds go along. Uh, in this case, given how much injury was at play, I don't know if uh, there's a lot to be gleaned from it. But Eric, are there, any, are there any points from the earlier four games that really stand out to you? Well, I'm... It's abhorrent that you forgot that Ty Lawson didn't play in any of the four games either. Okay, look, Ty Lawson had a net rating of negative 400 the last time he played the Raptors in the playoffs, and his true shooting percentage was like 4%. Uh, I am not sweating the Wizards adding Ty Lawson. Uh, I don't think he'll play anyway. And also, not to be insensitive, but I'm not sure another uh, wild card is what that locker room maybe needs. I think, like... The Raptors and Wizards' use of their peripheral roster spots say, like, literally everything you need to know about where these franchises are at. And, like, the Wizards could win this series, but they've just been chasing their tail in so many ways for such a long time. Um, and sometimes that's successful if you employ really good players and you get the right matchups. Anyway, to your question, uh, I don't think there's a whole lot. I think the Raptors, you know, defending of Bradley Beal is interesting. I, I know at times OG Ananobi struggled against Beal early in the season. Uh, I think, did he miss the two games after, after All-Star? I think he only missed the one. I thought he only missed one game of this four-game set. Okay. Um, he must because he played six. He played, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I think he missed uh, one. Anyway, he he's definitely struggled the first game of the year against Beal, and Beal is uh, is the sort of player who he has struggled more against. Uh, although we saw him, you know, close out the year with a really good performance on Victor Oladipo the Friday before the season ended. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the Raptors 
And obviously they're a team that's content with a lot of switching. Uh, but it's, it will be interesting to see the primary matchups they look for because, uh, as I wrote in my piece for, uh, for the athletic, you know, Kyle Lowry going from 32 minutes a night where they're often hiding him on, you know, uh, basically a standstill shooter, uh, somebody who doesn't have the ball a ton to maybe going up to 36 or 37 minutes a night and spending a lot of those on John Wall is complicated. And I, I think like when we look back at the regular season, that's sort of all we can take uh, from it, how they've defended Beal. And when you factor in Wall, what do the matchups start to look look like? On the other hand, like I think the Wizards will allow them to play those smaller lineups that uh, it might have been more difficult to to get them out there against, you know, maybe Milwaukee. Yeah, and even to your point about how they guarded Beal, that changes pretty fundamentally with Wall back because Wall has the ball in his hands a ton. Yeah. Uh, the, the Wizards pass less in general. They were an incredibly high assist team with Wall out, uh, and they fall a lot in that category with Wall back. They ISO a little bit more. Um, they do drive well to set up the pass. Wall's among the best at spraying out to, to shooters if health comes in the pick and roll, and Beal would benefit from that. But um, So even there, there's not a ton of, you know, the, how they guarded Beal is important, and the fact that Norman Powell did a better job statistically than OG Ananobi is at least a little interesting when Dwayne Casey's considering whether to call on an 11th man or not at some point in that series. Um, outside of that, I think there are a couple matchup things that are pretty straightforward um, whether you want to take them from the, the four games against each other or not. One of those is that Otto Porter is going to defend DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. Porter, Porter defended DeRozan for 156 possessions this year based on NBA.com's new matchup tools estimate. Um, and thank you to John Schumann of NBA.com for walking everyone through how to use those and, and what everything means the other day on Twitter. John is invaluable in the postseason. And always, but especially the postseason. And he might be coming to D.C. Uh, to cover games three and four of those series. There you go. Maybe. Get all sorts of Schumann stats. Schumann stats. Uh, so Porter guarded DeRozan for 156 possessions this year, which is the sixth highest number of possessions that any Raptor offensive player had against any defensive player. Um, so basically, short of the DeRozan-Bogdanovich matchup, uh, this was the matchup you saw most if you were a Raptor fan watching all 82 games this year. In those 156 possessions... Uh, DeMar DeRozan scored 2.9 points per 100 possessions less than expected, and he used 9.8% fewer possessions. So Otto Porter had a nice deterrent factor, and when DeMar DeRozan did shoot, he did score a little bit less. Uh, the Raptors' offense was a whole, as a whole was a little bit better than, than their average in those minutes. Um, obviously, you can't hang all of that on... You can't hang any of that on Porter. Porter did his job on DeRozan, making him slightly less efficient and... Uh, helping him shoot a little less. I think you're going to see that a ton, and everything's going to kind of flow from there for Washington in terms of what they want to do. If Porter can handle that matchup and they don't have to send a ton of help, that's big for their ability to keep Kyle Lowry contained beyond the arc. Washington isn't a great team at uh, forcing teams off the three-point line, but they do contest threes incredibly well with their length. So if they can get hands in Lowry's face, uh, maybe that helps. At the other end, uh, DeRozan guarding Otto Porter is kind of a best-case scenario for the Raptors. He guarded him for 142 possessions uh, at the defensive end, and, and Porter's performance, you know, DeRozan's not a good defender, but Porter's what Porter does kind of lines up well for DeRozan because Porter 
you know, he doesn't use a ton of possessions. He does some nice off-ball work as a cutter, and DeRozan's sometimes susceptible to that. Uh, so that's a concern. But Porter is mostly uh, a lower-usage guy. His best offensive skill is probably his ability to post up smaller defenders, um, which will be a concern if the Raptors use some of those smaller lineups you mentioned. They'll probably still need a big, uh, you know, two-point guards and, and at least two wings rather than three-point guards if Porter's on the floor. Uh, but DeRozan can, you know, match him physically, and DeRozan's a decent enough post defender if someone takes him down there. So um, that's a... Uh, I, I, I would think all, both teams intend to come into this series matching up the starting three, four, and five straight up. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you're... You mean defensively, because, um, like, DeRozan is nominally the two, right? Yeah. DeRozan, yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, I think that has to be the case. Uh, you know, going to the front court, and we've seen them actually change, uh, put a Baca on a more gifted post player sometimes, but I can I do not think they're putting Jonas Valanciunas on Marquise Morris. It just doesn't it really makes no make, sense. It makes no sense. Uh, Baca so that, and Morris guarding each other is almost like a, a Spider-Man meme matchup anyway. Which game are they going to both going to be suspended for? I don't. I, I feel like at the end of game two, they'll both get tossed. Advantage Raptors. Ooh, hot take. Yeah, no, Abaka has to has to uh, has to get these hands. Uh, there you go. Um, um, by the way, uh, speaking of the front court depth chart, just in the event that Marquise Morris and Serge Ibaka do get uh, both get kicked out of a game, uh, Mike Scott didn't travel with Washington home from Orlando yesterday per Candace Buckner. Uh, Scott is in the league's concussion protocol. So Washington might be down a piece uh, in their front court rotation. Mike Scott's been really, really nice this year. So. Yeah, that's not uh, insignificant for sure. Yeah. And obviously, he, has he has a bit of Raptor killer in him. Yeah, and obviously with any any injury, but especially head injuries, you know, hopefully they take all the appropriate steps and, and Scott comes back not not any worse for the wear, but uh, hopefully he, he's feeling better soon. Yeah, for sure. Anyway. But as you as you say, like defensively, in terms of uh, in terms of the matchups, it's a pretty straightforward series, at least with the starters. Um, how much Ananobi plays will be determined by how he does in that matchup and how the Wizards treat him offensively and how yeah. he obviously reacts to that that's and actually that's, oh, that's actually sorry, an interesting question I, I don't mean to cut you off but before we go on to another player um if you're the wizards are you with john wall not 100 percent yet and kind of good in the free free safety role hawking off the ball do you maybe put beal on lowry and and let wall uh stick on og ananobi in the corner and kind of help off of their hunting for steals because wall when he's engaged is among the best you know, on-ball point guard defenders yeah. that there are, uh, whether he's engaged and whether he's completely healthy, we, we don't really know. Yeah, I think if he's not engaged now, it's prob- it's a problem. Um, but it's, you know, this is a team where the starting center and the head coach have called them selfish in, in recent weeks. So who knows? I think that's, uh, a, that's an underrated storyline, too, is that if the Raptors get down in this series, I'm just walking into a wizard shoot-around and you know, playing telephone with, with some stuff, you know, Hey, Marcin, yeah, uh, John, John and Bradley just suggested that Marquise Morris should be starting at the five in this series. What do you, yeah. what do you think about that? <laughs> uh, I, I think, you know, the wizards obviously have to assess where wall is at. And if he's anything less than a hundred percent, I shouldn't say anything less, but 
you know, a not insignificant amount less than 100%. They certainly have to mix up the reps against Lowry. Uh, but Lowry also isn't necessarily the same type of player that he was three years ago, right? Like, he, he just doesn't have the ball in his hands as much. Now, in the starting lineup, he, he will, but it's not the same thing as it was three years ago, which is, you know, again, to the bigger point of the series, that the Raptors are, are stylistically such a different team and trying to do different things. And whether the Wizards, you know, similar defensive approach can adequately make up for that and deal with that and account for it is is going to be really interesting to watch. I, I have a question for you. I want to talk one more individual playoff matchup. But since you mentioned Washington's defensive approach, uh, the Wizards are pretty average-ish across the board on defense. Uh, the yeah. one they don't. They allow a, um, a pretty high percentage at the rim because they don't have a ton of rim protection. But in terms of shot distribution, it's fairly even. What I'm curious about, we know big picture analytically that defenses don't have a lot of control over opponent three-point percentage. But Washington was top five in, a, in opponent three-point percentage, both in the corner and above the break, um, middle middle of the pack kind of for, for volume. Um but do you think a team like Washington that has length at every position, um, has some length coming off the bench, if there were a team that profiled to be able to limit opponent three-point percentage, do you think that they would kind of fit the bill? Yeah, they do to an extent. But they also have a center who isn't particularly mobile. Uh, and you can, you know, Gortat isn't poor defensively, but... You know, in a lot of the same ways that opponents, you know, manipulate the Jonas Valanciunas matchup, the Raptors can certainly use that in order to get the defense moving and scrambling and, you know, creating those shots. Now, whether that's a good thing, I mean, it'll depend if the Raptors are hitting their shots that day or over the next few weeks. And, you know, as we've watched C.J. Miles struggle, you know, pretty dramatically down the stretch, uh and it just takes one game. Uh, you know, I, I'm sort of, uh, I believe that it, it could turn around pretty quickly. Uh, but, you know, the, the very dramatic, um, opposition of the way that, uh, you know, the contrast in which, uh, Wayne Ellington yeah, and CJ Miles were, were shooting last night was a bit scary. Yeah. Wayne Ellington is awesome. Yeah, he's going to get some money. Also, I, I don't little, know. Who knows who's going to get money this offseason? Yeah, the Raptors finished the year uh, almost exactly league average from, from three-point in terms of percentage and way up there in terms of volume. Uh, one more concern, if you like to dabble in small sample theater, which I'm very hesitant to, uh, C.J. Miles in 34 career playoff games is a 26.5% three-point shooter. However... Uh, only 36 of those attempts have come in the last eight years. So let's maybe not let let's maybe not use 62 attempts from from when CJ Miles was like 25 years old. Um, yeah, he's also probably shooting 26 percent over like the last eight games or whatever. So yeah, you know, it, it, <laughs> it's it's about as relevant, if not more relevant, to yeah. 
too at the, the playoff numbers. I don't think it would be that extreme because he did kill Orlando from outside, but yeah, um, I could anyway. actually, I could just tell you if you'd like. No, I don't. He is shooting twenty three percent over the yeah, last twelve it. games on Eat six it. and a half attempts a game. Eat it, like that's a lot of. Hey, I thought one five for ten would skew these numbers. Nope, they, they did. They skewed them to twenty three percent. Is there a chance that CJ Miles shooting? If it continues, look, I know that there's value in having Miles out there, even when the shots aren't dropping, and you have to have faith that he'll hit them. Uh, could you see his role getting minimized a little bit from the 19 minutes or so that he's averaged? On oh the yeah, for sure. Like because he's a defensive liability in a lot of ways. And look, the Raptors have a plethora of guard slash wing. I, we should just say perimeter options. Um, that is their strength as a team, I would say. Uh, and if Miles isn't hitting, and, you know, I don't think any team's just going to start leaving C.J. Miles, but if he's not creating maximum space by being out there because the defense is respecting his shot a little less and the Raptors aren't taking advantage of his presence and, and you know, vice versa, and Miles isn't taking advantage of playing with who he's playing with, I think, you know, you look at Fred Van Vliet and DeLon Wright and, you know, what they give you defensively, even though they're lacking in size in different ways, and you you use them because they're both really effective players. And, you know, if Norm gets hot, then that's another issue. And already Kyle, Lowry, and DeMar DeRozan should expect to jump in minutes, right? So uh, it's very easy to see that happening, yeah. Yeah, I, I can see Lowry and DeRozan both getting into the 36 to 40 range after averaging 32 and 34 respectively this year. Uh, and that right there, you know, that's 8 to 10 to 12 minutes that have to come off someone else's plate. And, and Ibaka and Valanciunas are already only, you know, I don't think their minutes are coming down any further. And Anobi is already only playing 20 in a starter role. So, yeah, I think Miles is the guy. And then maybe one of the bigs. I'm not sure Pirtle and Siakam are going to average 40 minutes combined in this playoff series or any playoff series. Um but I guess we'll we'll see how that goes. I do think they're going to run the all-bench to start. We're going to talk about the oh, bench yeah. in a second. There's one more uh, starters matchup that I wanted to touch on. And it's a confusing one that I don't really understand still after years of it. Marci Gortat owning Jonas Valanciunas. There is, like, there's not a good tactical reason this happens, right? Uh, the Polish are adept uh, warriors in terms of psycho- psychology. That okay. is, that is, as somebody who is three quarters Polish, uh, I can safely say that. All right. So it's obviously. No, I don't put a, I don't put a lot into it, uh, especially as Gortat is clearly on the downslope of his career. Now, that said, these teams have played, what, 22 times over the last five seasons? And, and Gortat's numbers are significantly better. Obviously, in that playoff series, he outplayed Valanciunas. This year, he outplayed Valanciunas in three of the four games where the two teams met. Uh, you want to talk about the DeRozan-Porter matchup. Valanciunas-Gortat are going to guard each other a ton, and they're going to go to war. During the regular season, Gortat scored an extra 7.5 points per 100 possessions uh, when guarded by Valanciunas, and he shot 20% more often. So clearly, Washington is going to look for that. And then Valanciunas' numbers, uh, especially his usage, tailed off um, opposite opposite Gortat. So that'll be a big one to watch. Jonas Valanciunas is such a better player than he was in that last playoff series, and he's a better player than Marching Gortat. 
But the fact that this persisted into the regular season is... It's like my number one thing that I have to watch on video later is to try to figure out what Gortat is doing to deny Valanciunas' spots or his catches, or if it's just Valanciunas, you know... It, it might just be random, too, this year. Like, he might have just had some bad games. I don't yeah, know. like, my initial reaction, which could be wrong, is please let the Washington Wizards try to force it into marching Gortat's hands. Yeah, like, that would be terrific. Like, yeah, like, let that happen. That, that's fine. Yeah, that would be, if, that's a, if that's what they're going to do... Then yeah, I think that favors Toronto. Even if Gortad, you know, look, post offense is not a not a an especially effective way to to run your team. And the and the Wizards, man, for for all the talk of how the Raptors don't use their role man enough, and and there's a good argument that they could use a role man a little more. Uh, they are on the top half of the league. Washington uses marching Gortat so infrequently after he sets these nasty bone crushing screens. I think they're 29th in the league in in pick and roll roll man usage. Um, man, you it's it's not a surprise, not going to be a surprise when I happen to mention to Gortat that why his role is so small after setting these great screens, and then there's some dissension there on the Wizards side. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be is... the MVP in this series. You always are, Blake. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I overstated that. They're 22nd in post-up usage. Um, and where? Oh, no, they are. They're, tw- they're 29th in pick-and-roll roll man scoring per possession. So, not great. Not great, but that's not what they do. That's so, it would, be, do. it would be a surprise to see them emphasizing that matchup. What's but... fairly interesting in terms of what they do do is that the, the Wizards aren't all that dissimilar from... The Raptors of recent years, they're not heavy on the ball movement. They're in the lower half of the league in ball movement. Uh, They're very low in terms of player movement off the ball. Their shot spectrum is pretty solid because they they don't shoot a ton of threes, but they shoot them really well, and John Wall gets to the rim so well, uh, and they draw fouls at a pretty decent rate. But otherwise, um, this is a team that relies on their individual players being very good to score. Now, they have some off-ball threats. They're very good at, at... cutting and coming off of screen so there's that to worry about as well uh, we haven't mentioned some... we haven't mentioned pretty kelly Oubre yet the waviest yes the waviest yeah. um i did i was going to transition to the bench um so let's just do that now since you want to talk about kelly Oubre, because how could we not want to talk about kelly Oubre? <laughs> uh, so the benches line up as such the raptors will run their five-man all bench unit the second unit saints norman powell and lucas noguera exist on the periphery um, Powell probably only in case of emergency. Noguera probably only in case of injury, even though he's got that robust 11.7 net rating on the season, plus 29 net rating in the last 10 games, plus 31.4 net rating against the Wizards. Uh, free baby. Um, you're not. You're just not running 12 guys. Uh, on the Wizards side, uh, Sadoransky, Ubre, Scott, if he's healthy, and Mahimi seem to be pretty safe bets. Maybe Ramon Sessions, Jody Meeks, Tim Frazier, or Ty Lawson mixes in there in that 10th spot. Um, maybe uh, Jason Smith, former Raptor killer from the mid-range, steps in if Mike Scott misses time. Uh, but how do you feel about how these benches balance? It's been a strength for Toronto most of the year. Uh, it wasn't a huge strength against Washington in, in the earlier meetings. Um, a couple of guys, Van Bleet, Miles, and Siakam, finished with strong net ratings, but a very noisy sample where the all-bench barely played together. Uh, how do you feel about the, the two benches matching up here? Because it sounds like we're pretty even across the starting lineup positions. Yeah, I think you have to see it as a Raptors advantage based on the year. 
like a lot of other things, they're going to, with the Raptors, they're going to have to prove it's for real. And that's the onus which they face. But, you know, nobody on that bench, with the exception of, of Oubre, and I like Sadoransky, uh, but I think he's a player that the Raptors have, you know, can, can deal with uh, in many ways. Um, aside from Oubre, I'm not terribly scared of anybody on this bench. You know, the Wizards are going to succeed and fail based on on Wall and Beal, more or less, uh, offensively, I should say. And that's plenty scary, and he could heighten the, the performances, or they could heighten the performances of a lot of these players, but it all will stem from how the Raptors handle them. Uh, whereas we've seen game after game after game after game this year that the Raptors bench can be a self-sustaining unit. Uh, maybe you see a little, I would think you see a little less of it. Uh, if John Wall is, you know, anywhere close to 100%, uh, I would be surprised if you see as much of it as we've seen. Uh, but, you know, you should feel confident in this group. They've, they've earned this chance. And I, I think, you know, there's not a lot of personalities on that roster who I'm like, oh, they're going to be overwhelmed by the moment. I, I really don't think so. I don't either. Um, obviously, it all starts and ends with Lowry and DeRozan, though. So, I don't know. It's interesting. We're going to... I'm very excited to get going. I don't... I don't do well. I get really excited when the playoff matchup comes down and I like barely slept last night getting preview content together and stuff, but I very quickly transitioned into, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Can we just get started? Um, and it took about 40 minutes on this podcast. Yeah. Well, uh, there are more things to talk about. I don't know if I've hit them all, but Eric, I should ask if there are any storyline, plotline, matchup stuff that you would like to bring up. Oh, I mean, Ibaka Morris is my favorite one. Like, I, they are definitely going to have a tete-a-tete. If not, like, a, uh, like I'm not predicting that they throw punches or anything, because that would be dumb, although I'm not ruling it out. Uh, you know, just the way that they go at each other and get annoyed with one another and, you know, generally, as you said, do the same thing, the Spider-Man meme. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I'm interested in seeing if the Raptors go smaller at any point, uh, with Ibaka at center. I think, you know, if Wall's going well, that's certainly something you have to consider in terms of maximizing pick and roll coverage, uh, or, or just, you know, maximizing defensive versatility in general. Uh, I think that's something we could be looking at. Uh, and there's nobody on the Wizards front line that scares me from that perspective. Uh, Jan Mahimi is fine. Yeah, That's Jan Mahimi is the only player on that team that, like, Gortat can rebound, and they like to, Gortat is very good at, like, the Steven Adams style box everyone out so John Wall can grab the rebound and pick up a head of steam. However, Mahimi is the only big on that team with whom they defensive rebound at an above average rate. Uh, and even then, it's only barely above average. So, yeah. uh, so although to your point where there's no one who could punish you for going small, I also don't think there's anyone who could stop Jonas Valanciunas 
if Jonas Valanciunas plays like Jonas Valanciunas. So yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And you know, it's these are feel things that you can't analyze too much until you get into the meat of the series, right? Yeah. Like, you know, we have past history to go on, but it's flawed, and we have theories about how it might play out, but they're theories, and you need to see where things are at in the moment before you can say too much, which is like the most, you know, that's obviously a not very compelling answer to all of this, but you know, it's, it comes down to, I know it sounds trite to how like the Raptors perform in this moment and, and how ready they are for it and how committed they are to what they've been building toward this whole season. Uh, I don't think we're at a point where we really have to fear this massive wave of, you know, stylistic regression. Uh, you know, I, I can picture the scenario in which we're talking about, you know, very easily. I can picture the scenario in which we're talking about uh, late game offense and a loss. <laughs> but, but overall, I think the Raptors are going to play like the Raptors have played this year. And fans should be excited about that, frankly. Okay, a couple follow-up points on things you just said. Number one, Marquise Morris, uh, 14 technical fouls this year. Serge Ibaka, 8 technical fouls. So 22, Ooh, got, 20, 22 combined technicals. you got to bait them to 16, man. Also, sweet-ass Kelly Oubre has 11. Oh, but he's such a nice boy. He is. Him and... I used the picture. It's my, maybe my favorite picture of the season this year, of him and Bebe like, wrestling for a ball from earlier in the year. It's, it's very... I'm trying to remember who Bebe had a conversation with on the Wizards earlier in the year, because that could be a good off-day story. Yeah, probably anyone. This is literally the first person who walked by him. Bebe is the Bebe is so popular around the league. Uh, number two, uh, you mentioned the small ball units. I definitely think we'll see Washington go small at some point. Whether that's kind of two two guard or a guard, three wings, and a and Gortat. Um, I think that's probably a little more likely than them going to Markeith Morris at the five for big minutes. Uh, but we've seen a decent sample of Wall, Beal, Oubre, Porter, and there's so much switchability and just offensive skill on the floor like that. Um, not that, you know, Morris isn't skilled as well, uh, but, you know, that gives them, I, I don't know, I like that look for them, whether it's Gortat or, you know, less so if Morris is at the five, I just think the Raptors can take advantage of, of having a size edge like that. Uh, but I definitely think you'll see Washington go small at some point. I don't think Gortat and Mahimi are going to make up the 48 minutes between them. Um, they played a little bit down the stretch with Mike Scott at the five. If he's healthy, uh, maybe you see that. That's that's nice for them to have a stretch five. But the Raptors, another situation where where they can take advantage of that. And I forget the third thing that I was going to say um, because I was rambling on too long. But it was in response to something something you said. So I'm sure you know my point and then your response were both very coherent, eloquent, and uh, you know really on point. Yeah, I actually. Oh, um, I don't know if this was it or not, but you mentioned how John Wall attacks the pick and roll, and it's something that. I've wrote about it a little bit in a couple different places, um, just as like a side note, because we haven't seen it yet this year. John Wall has not played against the Raptors' slightly altered pick-and-roll defense. On paper, he is the kind of guy who could exploit it. We, You and I have talked about this after the Oklahoma City Thunder game. While no one, you know, there's no one in the league that has Russell Westbrook and Steven Adams, in terms of how they might attack that, I think John Wall is maybe 
the most like the most well suited to attack what Toronto does in the in the pick and roll defensively because he can pick up ahead of steam so fast and because he's very very willing uh, to take mid range shots and he's very good at them. Yeah. Do you see? You know, whether it's the the bigs taking fewer, as Dwayne Casey calls them, negative steps where, where they drop down and it doesn't need to be there, uh, maybe sending a little extra help, which is risky because Wall can spray out. Do you see them tweaking their pick-and-roll strategy for the Wall-Gortat action at all? I could, The one thing that makes sense to me is the Raptors start going under a bit more. Uh, than they... Wall they, shot the ball well this year, though. So a small sample, obviously. But. I know. It's just, you know, this gets into a... This is what superstars and stars make you do. They make you... Make pick, tough decisions. Yeah, they make you pick the least bad option. And I don't know if that's the least bad option, but I think at some point this series, it has a good chance of seeming like the least bad option. Although, interesting, I didn't realize it was... I, I kind of looked at Wall's like last couple of years, because obviously I don't think the 41-game largely injured sample this year is particularly indicative. He shot 37.1% on threes this year. He shot under 30% from 10 feet to the three-point line. And he shot only 32% in that three to 10 foot kind of high paint floater range that the Raptors invite a lot of shots in. Uh, yeah, that, so that could be something or he could just become a mid range savant. Who knows? Yeah. All of those, from all of those areas, he was nearly 40% last year. So, um, 38, 38 and 39% as you kind of get further away. But interesting that back to back years now, he has not shot well in that floater range that the Raptors kind of invite a lot of shots in. Yeah, and that's sort of what I mean, you know. you If you're forced to choose, you're going to be able to live with that. And if he keeps on hitting, like, not over the course of a few minutes, over the course of, like, a full game or a game and a half, then maybe you consider changing. But uh, or, or not that they'll start out like this necessarily – but I think it's something that the Raptors should certainly be thinking about uh, heading into the series, if not using right away. Eric, we are closing in an hour in here. There's we've still... talked. We've talked too long. I mean, there's the thing is, there's always so the much playoffs. more you can talk about, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. urgency. It's great. Sense of purpose. Yeah, and we're not going to talk again for. I mean, you and I are going to talk, but we're not going to talk again on this podcast until after Game Two. Yeah. So we may as well get it out now. Is there any, I know we just kind of hit on some some little stuff. Is there anything you're looking forward to from more of like a fan perspective? I know you're not a fan because you've been covering the team so long that you kind of have to put that um, aside. But from a fan of NBA basketball in general, is there anything you're, you're looking forward to in this series? Good question and one that I wasn't prepared for, Blake. You weren't um, prepared to enjoy the, the wonderful basketball series? I cover the Raptors. I don't prepare to enjoy the playoffs. This is true. Um, look, I think it's a compelling matchup for as much as we want to get in depth and X's and O's about it. Uh, it's such a compelling narrative matchup, uh, as this whole journey will be for the Raptors. Um, so that's interesting. The Raptors crowd is always fun in the playoffs. I'm looking forward to that, and hopefully uh, they can put the clamps on their, you know, PTSD or anxiety or whatever you want to call it and just, like, really get behind this team that has done a lot to deserve it this year because, uh, you know, they should 
you know, if fans aren't going to believe now, then they're just not going to believe until they have one of the three best players in the league, you know? So, and I get it. I get it. But at some point you got to, you got to let yourself believe a little bit. All right. Some rapid fire questions for you, Eric, that you're also not prepared for. Sweet. Drake or no Drake? Drake. Do we see a welcome Toronto court in game one or two? This feels like a question that can only be like, like I wonder what the logistics of that are. Well, they uh, got to change the court over every time anyway. Yeah. That's the belief, so. I'll say yes. I agree. I think it's coming out game one. Yeah. I think it's if too they, good not to. And if if they win game one, then no. Uh, or whatever they use for game one. I assume they will use for game two uh, if, they, if win. they win game one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. By the way, Drake uh, Drake's in London right now, so I don't know if he'll make it back. Oh, well, I don't uh, weird, Weirdly, right as we were talking about that, someone uh, a photo got retweeted in my timeline. Mm. Um, so there you go. So maybe Drake, maybe he's got, he's got to come back. He's got to drop an album at some point. He keeps dropping all these singles. Uh, yeah, I, anyway, I think we see Welcome Toronto. They're 5-1. and one. On the Welcome to Toronto court, and they had that. Although they're the they're eight and zero at home, and they're or was it twelve and zero? I forgot. In their home whites. Yeah, whatever right. it is, wearing red on the road is not the look. That's where we came to with the jersey stuff, right? Yes, uh, I think thirteen of their losses over. Now they wore their red jerseys the most often, uh, but thirteen of their twenty-three losses came in red and. Uh, I think nine of those were on the road. Is somebody tweeted this at me this morning? And now yes, I, I was tagged on that too, and I forgot to bookmark it. So, uh, oops! How could you? Oops. Um, okay. Either, either welcome Toronto or, or Whites, I think, are the way to go. Do although I guess road team do road teams get to pick the jerseys? I don't know. Sure. But that quote, Whites are the way to go. What are you, a Celtics writer? <laughs> hey yo. Um, do you know, are we getting Tim Bontemps here for this series? I doubt it. Okay. Because uh, well, he's at WAPO, but he's New York-based, right? He, no, he's based in uh, in Golden State, I oh, think. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot he uh, moved we'll up there. We'll get the great Candace Buckner. Yeah, Candace awesome. Yes. Uh, great. Best, uh, one of the best-dressed, I mean, this is a low bar, one of the best-dressed uh, basketball reporters in the game. How dare you, Eric? My closet of... Look, I'm busting out the formal zip-up hoodies for the playoffs. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Raptors. Hoodie, a hoodie with a tie? Yeah. yeah. Each of the last two years, Norman Powell has come through in big spots uh, in Game 5 of the first-round playoff series. Is there a big Norman Powell moment in this playoff series? If not, who has the big Norman Powell moment? Uh, no big Norman Powell moment. Boo. Sorry. Um... I, I maybe it's just a hope, but I think OG Ananobi might have a nice little series. There you go. He's played really, really well of late. Yep. Uh, over under Raptors shoot thirty five point five percent from three in this series. Uh, under. Ooh. Ooh, that's that's gonna be a tough way to live with how many. <laughs> yeah, shoot. well, it's the playoffs and the Raptors. What that was was a well set line. That's good odds making right there. Yeah, yeah. No, I did. I like. I I'm guessing like 34 or something. You know, like yeah. I'm not. Uh, it's, but yeah. 
Uh, okay, uh, and do you have a do you have a serious prediction? Have you done enough prep to to make a call? Who uh, needs to do prep? Only you. Um, I'm gonna take Raptors in seven very anxiety inducing games. How about you? So this is this is where I have trouble because I feel like if the Raptor if the series goes away that requires seven games, I will lose confidence in the Raptors' ability to pull it out because Washington is so good, and the more you give them time to potentially gel and wall to get healthy, the scarier they get. Um, I, I'm taking Raptors in six. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't know. If they come out and drop game one, I'm going to be paying very close attention to what the mood in the locker room is like. Uh, I'll ask I'm that. also going to be turning off Twitter for two days. Yes. Uh, did they finally win a game one? Yeah. Is it in this series? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to win Saturday. Okay. Um, that's great. I, I've I probably like... said this exact same thing in years past. I don't know. Oh, well, look, they've been favored in the first round series however many years in a row. They should every every time except they play Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, first round series. Yeah. yeah, of course you you pick the favorite every single time. You went chalk and it bit you. You can't really get too mad at yourself for that. So yeah, I can get mad at myself for whatever I damn well want. Yeah, but there's there are so many options. Why do it for that? Yeah, good good point. All right, man. Uh, I gotta, I gotta get going. We gotta, we've got some stuff this afternoon. So. Yeah. Are you gonna be able to make your basketball game tonight? Yes, my basketball game is not until nine fifteen. Yeah, mine's at eight forty-five. So right we'll from there, up. and then uh, go up to wherever. Consolation champs coming up. Yeah, we are yeah. gonna finish last probably. I think we have very few players for tonight. Oh, if I was playing at a different time and we were at the same place, I would have played, would have gone for a doubleheader. Um, I think Get all that anxiety out, that playoff anxiety. Yeah. Um, are you? Well, we'll talk about this after. I don't need to talk to you about it on the podcast. Okay, Eric. Any parting shots before we go? I think I'm out of things to say. Like, so am I. Like, I mean, um, I'm not. I'm just gonna close this podcast and start looking at more stuff. So I'll have more stuff to say. But for right now, I'm out of stuff to say. Yeah. Uh, Eric, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Here, we'll talk to you on this podcast after Game Two. Uh, obviously, you'll have. Plenty of coverage at the Athletic Toronto. You'll be on the road with the team. I'll be filling in where you can't. I'm not sure what Sirit's plans are, but she's around as well. So we should have we should have you guys covered. And you know where to reach us on Twitter and subscribe and all that <laughs> unless, stuff. Unless the Raptors lose game one, you cannot reach us on Twitter. If the Raptors lose game one, I'm closing my DMs. Too many people have been weird in my DMs. I, I have open DMs to be accessible. Too many people being weird lately. If they lose game one, they're getting closed down. It's a very noble reason why you have your DMs open, but, uh, yeah. It's not healthy. Yeah, like, I, I I wouldn't and don't make the same choice as you do. All right, Eric. Blake. I will, uh, well, I'll see you shortly. We'll talk again soon. Guys, enjoy the first round of playoff series. Enjoy games one and two. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you uh, when the Raptors are 1-1 after two games with the Washington Wizards. See ya. A reasonable man